At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Hello, welcome to Oral Hygiene. It is the podcast where we look at educational films caught in experimental films and interesting documentaries. This is Matt here today. With me is Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew Shearer. Hello. Hello. Are you ready for some sex perils? Every day, all day. Yes, that is today's movie. It's the Sex Perils of Paulette by the um, legendary Doris Wishman and this you said this is one that you had not seen previously yeah yeah I don't have this one uh and I'd always wanted to see it because it was her first uh it was like the first one she did that was like went away from like the nudie nudist camp ones and started in her black and white uh I guess you'd consider them roughies roughies that sounds about right roofies there's probably some (laughs) roofies in this movie (laughs) probably yeah no that the one that takes that drink and then she gets really lit at the party yeah yeah, yeah, I think I wrote that in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you mind giving us the deets on this one? Yeah, I don't mind at all. Yeah, legendary is the word I would use to describe Doris Wishman, who made uh, about 25 movies during her career. She's uh, In terms of cult film, she's like the first woman name in, uh, in cult film as far as director is concerned, and definitely the only one from back then. This is about a young lady who is an aspiring model and actor arrives in the big city of New York and um, has to kind of find her way around. And she, a lot of, uh, she encounters a lot of sex perils, which we'll describe here just, to, just shortly. I, I guess in this case, would this, would this be like a call girl thing? Hmm. No, no. I just think, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, movies that deal with someone falling into a, a den of iniquity <laughs> and therefore, it allows them to show uh, people with their clothes off and people doing it and stuff like that, but under the guise of a morality tale. Here, though, even, I mean, the nudie cuties have uh, some actual nudity, and this one barely does. It definitely does the uh, the tease at the edge thing, which is, is, is fun for a caught film. Yeah, well, see, the news camp thing, you could, they, they weren't as... Uh, bad about censoring those and so you know they were just like goofy there was nothing sexual about them but in these movies it's like sex and violence so they got drinking and drugs you know what i mean it's like it's everything and so therefore i think uh, the kind of eye that was cast on a nudist camp movie of being harmless uh, might cast a different eye on something like this yeah, because the movie starts out and uh, it seems to be like a, a key party or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like all going on. I mean, I think it's even dirtier because so much is left to your imagination. Yeah. Um, right up near the beginning, I did find entertaining the stop pretending to be gay line from 1964. It's like, what do, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean here. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, then when they use the term gay, you know, I led a perfectly gay life until, you know, it's like a historical context thing. They, 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 uh, there were always double meanings for it, though, I think. 
Yeah. Um, I think she ended up in the part of Manhattan where I'd park my car. I, cause I, I, I was working summer camp thing one summer and all my days off would go to the city and, um, I didn't want to pay for parking cause I was cheap and they weren't paying me much to do the summary gig. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so I felt that was a good life hack. Um, that's, that's, Oh, I don't remember what part of town it is anymore, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, somewhere near Greenwich village with the, you know, all the brownstones and stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, you never had so many, no, you did, you did, did you ever have a roommate? Well, if you count my, uh, when I first moved out of, out of, uh, away from home, I had, um, my girlfriend and her brother were both living there. So I oh, feel like it counts. Yeah. 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 The brother was there. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, making sure we didn't get into any, uh, unmarried kind of, you know, shenanigans. Yeah. But, um, you never, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, of course. I was just getting to, uh, you know, Tracy is sort of this, this nightmare roommate, I guess. <laughs> I think it was, I think Tracy's rad. Tracy's like, yeah, cause Wishman's like probably wouldn't want you to call her movies feminist or proto feminist because of, you know, the time in which they were made feminism or what, you know, would be like maybe, yeah. Second wave feminism hadn't really happened yet, but I think, uh, the idea of a woman just walking around in her apartment wearing whatever she wants, meeting a stranger and not getting dressed, you know? <laughs> oh, that, that, that wasn't the nightmare part I was going for. I was just going for the, uh, the money hoarding and the, uh, you know, <laughs> weird mind games. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what happens is, what is, okay, so what is the main character's name? Paulette. Paulette. So this is all told in a flashback. Paulette is telling her boyfriend in the park um about uh, what happened to her when she first moved to new york and so uh, we get this story of her getting right off the bus and uh, going to find a place to live and then getting t- yeah totally ripped off uh by tracy when she gets up there and uh she uh, she's like well here's this will cover first month's rent and she takes out all her money which she's supposed to never do you never show people <laughs> what money you have she's like oh ha- well let's do it she's like yeah and that and that and just starts taking she takes two Three months rent, advance rent, right over hand. That first day, I know that's intense. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I got this weird thought that Tracy eventually turns into um, Catherine O'Hara's character in After Hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That was really good. He's trying to dial the phone, and she's just like five, seven, nine. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well, I mean, she's her lifestyle is leading her that way. Uh, I forget the actor's name that plays Tracy, but she uh, had a twin sister that also did sexploitation movies around this time and uh, may have been in some of Doris's movies as well. But if, from what I know, they're both still alive. I would love to find somebody to find them. Darlene something or other. You think you think they yeah, you think they would have been in the same movie sometime if they're twins. People like that. Sort of <laughs> if they did, that's genius, but I haven't seen it. No. Oh, speaking of the walking away and they're walking around in your underwear that that saves on air conditioning so there is some practical you know points yeah, to that it's, it's it's neat to see this because if you're from i guess doris's most well-known movies besides the chesty morgan ones uh, would be bad girls go to hell which is actually out on the criterion channel right now of all places and so um you got to see like the beginnings of that style but it, she was already there like it didn't mess around she just jumped from nudist colony everybody like hitting volleyballs and having picnics to like these you know in the floor black and white you know and i do know russ meyer was one of the few filmmakers that she enjoyed 
who also made had his roughy uh, period as well. Yeah, watching this, you definitely have you know the word grindhouse like going through your mind half the time. <laughs> like this is the <laughs> definition of a grindhouse film. <laughs> so yeah, she she ends up at uh, yeah that that a modeling job. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be. I don't know. It, it's the cliche of the casting couch, right? Yes. Um, it's yeah. supposed to. She goes. The one thing I thought that was really weird is this party seems to be held in like Alan Watts' apartment or something. <laughs> Got all the the Buddhas and stuff. It was it was just yeah. really weird. So I, what did I write? A few shots of an Alan Watts PBS jam, then groping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <we're... laughs> some of the music in here was cool. There was like some cool jazz guitar, you know, but um. No, I, I, I don't think we should ever Lucas films by Lucas films as in two words a verb Lucas. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Anyway, in my mind, I was like, it would be cool to like put like early B 52s as the soundtrack to this. That would be great. You know, uh, I, I really enjoy the music in the, these old something weird movies um, because this is where I, I came to know Doris Wishman was by rent or buying through the mail uh, from something weird after seeing um, real wild cinema on USA when I was in high school. Um, but the, the, they just released a vinyl uh, harmony music, just released a vinyl of um, Doris Wishman. Uh, like it's 28 tracks of Doris Wishman audio. Right. right. And uh, it's this really awesome vinyl. And the uh, there's a DVD in there that you can play along with the record. And it's, it's got all the trailers and voiceovers and scenes but there's only five actual tracks of instrumental music. And I was really disappointed. Yeah. That's a bummer. I mean, I got, uh, I, I don't know if you can find them in America, but it was like these 10 buck, like 10 CD jazz things. So you got these obscure jazz guitar albums and stuff. So, you know, you, you can find that stuff, but not necessarily branded as a uh, caught film. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, I'm really interested in that library music because it's, you can't, it can't be, I've never heard anything else like it, at least nothing that could be used, you know, just by anybody that, you know, where the, um, the creative commons thing or whatever has passed where nobody actually owns it. But uh, I, I guess we should get to Sam, who is, I, I guess, our the, the pimp role. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a piece of trash Sam is. Yeah. At first, I thought he looked kind of like Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine. But later, I thought he looked more like Sean Connery. Okay, I had to look up when I read that note. I had to look up who that was from Deep Space Nine. No offense, but uh, no, no, that's I, fine. As long as you know Jeffrey Combs is there sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Avery, Bro Avery Brooks, I've actually met Avery Brooks. Oh, yeah, but it uh, what, what, what? Oh, uh, what you'd want the, the Spencer for Hire DVD signed by Avery Brooks, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, I loved his movie Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I, I um, I really, uh, I, I really, really thought the the men in Doris Wishman's movies, but in particular in Ruffies like this, they just only got one thing on their mind, and they're just like the scummiest of the scummy. Yeah, I, you know, I just watched Showgirls again, so I was kind of thinking of you know the parallels of that movie and this one, just in the narrative structure. And um, I, I guess Sam would sort of be like, uh, was it Andrew Carver, the the rock star that justifiably gets the shit beat out of him? God, Andrew Carver, God, he was the 
You know, uh, I love that episode, by the way, um, the Showgirls episode. And uh, I really thought everything was talked about in its proper context. But yeah, someone like Andrew Carver, he's definitely the descendant of Sam. But I think Robert Davi from Showgirls could have walked right into one of Doris Wishman's movies or out of it, I guess I should say. <laughs> he just he had that old school scumbag look to him although he ended up being kind of nice yeah i was about to say he he wasn't as scummy so (laughs) no as much as he as crude as he was he ended up being the uh the you know the nicer than than all those people that she met on the way up but yeah yeah scam scam sam here is absolute trash i don't know scam that's too on the nose i guess but uh But yeah, he wants the girls to uh, that that party that she goes to. Um, it's just the producers and directors or camera people. All these dudes are just making out with women left and right, and she doesn't want to do it. And um, we mentioned before the girl that is there that is also shy. And she's like, "Ooh, maybe she's like me, you know? Maybe she doesn't want to do it either." She keeps, you know, fighting off all these dudes, but then starts drinking, and it, the whole thing changes. Yep, yep, that's that's how a roofie party rolls, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know, if she wanted her name <laughs> on a marquee, you just you go at 3 a.m., you rearrange the letters, done. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't have to do this casting oh, couch oh, route. Been avoided. <laughs> yeah, just, just rent a ladder. <laughs> I mean, you might need to find a marquee with the correct letters for your name, but, uh, you know, you can work it out. You misspell your name a little bit. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, or come up with a new one on the spot. <laughs> um, another another thing. Uh, this is the the that I, I was like should narrated films like is it a genre? Because you know, sound running sound was so much of a extra expense and everything. So you get all these kind of narrated films. Yeah, that's actually Doris Wishman. Um, she didn't appear in many of her movies. And if she did, there was usually like a walk on thing. But as far as like being the narrator for her stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because she would do first the poster and the title, then have the whole ad campaign and then write the script based around the ad campaign uh, and, you know, to gauge interest in it. And um, a lot of times she would just film stuff and worry about the sound later. So, yeah, I was wondering what you thought about her technique, because I don't know how many of her movies you've seen, but most of them are like this. Yeah, well, um, on, on this podcast, we just did Psych by the 40 Witch, which is mm-hmm. seems to have the same M.O. and it's ended in absolute insanity and, and all the stock footage they use from that as well. Whereas this one seems to at least have more narrative structure. Maybe she hadn't written the script yet, but she kind of like probably had an idea where it was going. True. And there's some parts where Tracy is like definitely talking to camera and the voiceover is treating it like this is, you know, because it is a story she's telling to someone, which I thought was a really clever way of getting out of having any recorded dialogue was to have it all of this flashback. She's telling a story she's telling you. So, of course, you wouldn't hear what people were saying. You'd hear her version of what happened over it. I think, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I love Doris Wishman is because her economy is of storytelling and uh, of production is just, I mean, she didn't know what she was doing when she started. Her husband ran a distribution company and he died uh, very early in his life. And so she was like, ah, distribution, movie production, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah. Are you from, I'm not, but are you familiar with the, the late 
the, I think the 1947 Perils of uh, Pauline movie, which uh, this is obviously named after. Yeah, no, haven't okay. seen. I, I sure wonder. <laughs> I'm just wondering sure. if the, the narrative thread of that might actually be similar, which would mean she didn't write anything, but maybe already just had a, a basic thread in her head, you know? I, you know, more than likely she just knew of the name and just was like, oh, cool. Let me just add sex and change the name. Well, that's you how know? we're rolling on this one anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, any the, anything that has a little bit of a familiar sound, you know, it's, that's a gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see the tire like, oh, that seems familiar, even if it's not. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's, uh, you know, like she was. You know, her husband was in film sales and distribution, so she got to kind of know the game before she played it. She just, you know, and you see C. Davis Smith, Chuck Smith there on the camera. He was with her for, you know, throughout her career on and off. Uh, he's he's the one that shot Bad Girls Go to Hell. and had Not often praised for his style because people look at this movie and go, yeah, they just shot a bunch of crap and they had to write a script to make it make sense and saved it all in, with the voiceover, you know? Yeah. There was more going on there. Here's another fun one when um, she's in the agent's office and it's very clearly Doris Wishman's office because it's got a bunch of posters <laughs> of her movies on the walls and stuff. They're so tiny. They're like tiny versions of her posters. You're like, oh man, what's with the playbills on the wall? Or the lobby <laughs> cards, rather. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think Paulette should have pissed on the desk before she left the agent's office, you know, having been sitting there for two no. hours. <laughs> And uh, if if Meyer Zarki had made this movie, it would have been a lot different. So instead of I spit on your grave, it's I piss on your desk. I don't know if it's a better or a worse title. Oh, no, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I piss on your desk. Okay. The sequel, I shit all over these walls. And, uh, oh, wait, wait, why, why am I writing awesome. Jim? Jim, <laughs> who's Jim? Jim's more of an asshole than Sam, is he? Oh, Jim. Wasn't he like the final boss level shithead? Yeah, or, that, or that's he... right. Okay. Maybe, maybe he's the real the real carver of the movie. I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what her boyfriend's name is in the beginning. Alan. Okay, Alan. A- yeah. Alan's, just, Alan's just whiny when he talks. It's like, yes. yeah, because he talks like this, you should probably avoid Alan. Yeah, he's not worth telling a story to, but as a result of Alan, we all got to hear it. Yeah. Well, Alan didn't get to talk much anyway, so. I don't know. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. When I put it in, a dick move, Alan. Okay. <laughs> At least it was a happy ending for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was hilarious, by the way. No, I, I loved this one. I, I really did. I enjoy watching. I just love her style. Uh, it looks a lot like all her other ones <laughs> that were made around this time. <laughs> but, um that's not a bad thing because they're, they're, you know, they're, you start to look at it and go, one of the questions I ask people that watch Doris Wishman movies is, can you tell a woman made this, you know? Um, because Doris was not like Roberta Finlay in that she wasn't like also a misogynist. Like I think Doris really was trying to, you know, put some kind of feminism up there in her own way. This one, you know, I'm thinking I would probably not, if I didn't know, I would not assume that. Um, yeah. the, the ending is rather bleak. I mean, if, if you were trying to find a feminist narrative, it doesn't you know, work out for any of these people. No, but it is trying to show the differences between a man entering the movie business and a woman entering the movie business. 
Yeah, yeah. And then it's, you know, it's the New York scene, which adds an extra wrinkle. This kind of story is usually very Hollywood based, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, Doris, after I think her husband died, I think, I don't know if she was, I don't know if this had to have been made in New York, like you said in the notes, but uh, I know she was based in Florida for the remainder of her career. And um, here the, the, the last years of her life, she ran a sex shop you know, selling people dildos and stuff down there. D- dildos well, down there that's a good name that's i hope that's the name of the store dildos <laughs> down there yeah no i can't remember the name of it but it was like dildo heaven or something like that. okay that's cool too <laughs> what do they sell here <laughs> she did a few late period movies though because she didn't do anything for like 20 years basically and then came back and had a little bit of a, a renaissance oh she did well you're talking about the shot on video ones or are you talking about like uh oh gosh what was it um satan was a lady I'm bringing it up because you're more familiar than me. I just know there were some early 2000s ones that she had done. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. I don't know when Satan Was a Lady was made. and uh, Because uh, I, A Night to Dismember, my, my, my favorite, because the commentary of it's like listening to a comedy album. It's, it's <laughs> C. Davis Smith or, or Chuck Smith or arguing like the old, old uh, not married couple that they were she's just berating him the whole time and she he's berating her well that's fun okay hold on i'm, I'm oh, it's hilarious. just to give you the actual name here if i can my computer isn't gonna drag itself along yeah but satan was a lady i've actually i know um honey lauren the star of it i've interviewed her before I, that's probably what i'm referring to anyway i'm just uh, having a double check here uh where would you put this one in her her overtoire oh no it's right? it's absolutely necessity if you're a fan of bad girls go to hell in that period of doris's movies or if you're a fan of like the early sexploitation or roughies even if you like faster pussycat kill kill i think you should probably check this out and uh yeah satan was a lady is what i was getting after okay oh and there actually is a dildo heaven movie that sounds like yeah, i don't dildo. know how to get a hold of that Okay. Anyway, that's just putting a confirm there that yes, it's it is dildo heaven you're you're thinking of here. <laughs> <laughs> dildo heaven you're you're thinking. Yeah, of I don't that, know if that you, that you pray to. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Better yeah, it, than. It, it, it may have been a bit of a or two. Well, it's Sunday. I I do have a feeling we'll be diving back into the the wishman tank at some point anyway so uh for today tell them where you're at oh uh so www.gonzorific.com my friends and i here in athens georgia make our own movies and it is the uh, 10th anniversary of dr humpenstein's erotic castle and in that movie the leading character um was named doris wishman oh you didn't just say that's 10 years old okay you did oh well (laughs) it is yeah it is isn't it <laughs> are you still like hawking the music for it can they at least get that because the dvd is out of print um the it, it's somewhere uh i think i i changed some of the tracks a little bit and i'll put the link in for here uh okay the, so i'm not it, it, they're not quite as dirty i guess but uh any anyway <laughs> that's at um roving sage and i'll put the notes a little more specifically uh which one to hit if you're looking for that particular style of music yeah that was definitely influenced by doris and rush russ meyer that movie yes okay anyway keep it i don't know 
That is kind of a bummer movie when you think about it. Yeah. Keep it 100 in dildo heaven, homies. Yeah, keep it dildonic. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.